and welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Coaching the Meeting Delegation, Part 1. In a recent cast, we combined succession planning, meeting management, and delegation together. And what we did is we suggested that rather than seeing performance development, delegation, meeting management, and succession planning as kind of as separate burdens, we recommended combining them all. Delegating responsibilities is part of succession planning, and meeting management is a necessary management skill, and challenging our directs to do more is performance development. So why not use this as an opportunity to delegate the staff meeting? Now, what if we delegate our staff meeting to someone who has, you know, pretty good potential for growth, but doesn't know how to manage meetings? Well, we delegate anyway, and then we coach them on running meetings. And today, we're going to talk about that. Here's how. Recently, in in another cast, we combined succession planning, meeting management, and delegation into (laughs) a single cast. And and, uh, I think people uh, might have got the idea that some of this stuff kind of fits together, almost like you thought about it a little bit. (laughs) So today, I think we have another opportunity to want to do one of those kind of, it's almost like a case study a little bit, right? I mean- in terms of, uh, well, how I hadn't thought of it that way. I was just, I, I just really in my head, what I wanted to do was, you know, as I started, as I've ha- we've had conversations recently with people about saying, well, that's one-on-ones versus this is feedback or that's coaching. And I thought, man, some of the comments we're hearing are, they imply the the a la carte theory. And frankly, not to beat our own drum, but I think the reason the a la carte theory appeals to so many people is that thinking about management is so raw and not deep and not uh, effective when it comes to individual managers' responsibilities that no one has a unified theory of management like we do. And so they assume, therefore, that, you know, we have an idea for X or an idea for Y and the twain shall never meet. But no, all of our stuff is designed to work together because managers have to do all this stuff in a day. So I didn't mean it as a case study. I meant it as a, you know, I meant the, I, I meant it as a, an example. But you're right; it is like a case study, right? And, and, and all we're doing here is saying, okay, if you're going to delegate the running of your staff meeting, which is something we recommend every manager do, if you're going to delegate that to one of your directs, what if one of your directs can't quite do it? What do you do? Well, you don't leave them out; you coach them because we as managers ought to know how to coach. We ought to know how to run a meeting, and we ought to know how to delegate. So let's give an example. But to your point, it is. It's a case study of how to do that, all that stuff. Good. So I think this one might be longer than, uh, and it seems like we've had a number of them like this one, where it's going to be a little bit longer than maybe some people would care for. But I think the beauty of this is that we're going to go through some specific examples and really walk through the use of the model with you know, here are the words you're going to say when you're doing it. And I and I think a lot of our listeners get a lot of value out of that. Yeah. I'm always surprised when when listeners say, wow, I really appreciated the level of detail. And I thought, you know, we were thinking at the time, gee, maybe, maybe too much detail, maybe too, you know, the old insulting people's intelligence. I can figure it out from here kind of thing. But no, there seems to be a healthy appetite for, for a good level of detail. And I generally feel that if we can be more granular, we should. And there are some people, particularly beginners, 
who really would love to know, you know, how does that sound? Those are the questions we get at conferences, right? Mark, what would you do in this situation? I mean, you're in mind, uh, interactions at conferences, the ones that we let go for four or five minutes or me and you and Mike Swenson, people rave about them because they want to see what effective management looks and feels like. So good. So let's do it. Yeah. So, so what, what's our outline for today? Yeah. Okay. So, so look, we've talked recently in a cast. I don't, I don't know when these come out, but, but about um, delegating the running of our weekly staff meeting to our directs. And in, fr- and in fact, to all of our directs, well, what do you do when a direct can't handle it? Well, you coach them because running meetings is an, is a necessary skill for the vast majority of professionals today. So what you do is you delegate anyway, and then we coach them on running meetings. So we, we, we hit the trifecta. We do this during a one-on-one, we give them feedback, we coach them, we delegate, and it's about meetings. So, I mean, it's, it's the perfect storm for us. And here are the basic steps. The first thing you got to remember is we delegate first and we actually, then step two, we talk about, we let them try and maybe even let the direct fail rather than immediately offer to coach, immediately offering to coach them, you know, the moment we delegate, when we delegate, we give someone responsibility for something. We wait to see, we, we don't need to coach them if they can do it effectively without coaching. If we're coaching somebody who doesn't need it, it's a waste. Okay. And then what we're going to do for the rest of the cast is we're going to walk through the coaching model. We're going to talk about setting a goal. We're going to go over the basics of that and then, and then describe uh, how it might sound and feel when we actually do that in the meeting where we're setting a goal. Then we're going to talk about brainstorming resources for this particular example. Uh, And then we're going to talk about planning some actions, step three in the coaching model. And then we're going to talk about step four, how the direct acts. And, and finally, about reporting in weekly, assessing progress, and uh, celebrating the achievement. And, and each step, we're going to talk about how it might sound, how it might feel, you know, using actual text where, where you and I are going to role play it to give people as granular an example as we can. Good. Okay. So let's, let's talk about step one, which, which is we delegate first. And this is an interesting one because I think this is going to – it's going to surprise some folks because what we're saying here is that you're going to direct, you're going to delegate the task, even if you don't think your direct can do it, or if you're not sure he, he, he or she can do it. And that surprises some folks. You think you really, you, you think? Oh, absolutely. I, I think people are, and, and managers, particularly high drive managers are so afraid of failure that the idea of delegating a task to somebody that they could do in five minutes and it's not clear in their mind that the direct can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think okay. All the time. Yeah. Good point. Okay. I, I, I hear you. Um, look, the, the, the fundamental point we're making here is even if we're not sure that one of our directs can handle a task, if it's reasonable for us to assume that at some point they'll be able to at some point in the near term, or maybe when they get promoted from a standpoint of succession planning, which is yet another part of this that, that we touch on here, we can still absolutely delegate that task to them. And it's financially irresponsible not to do so, right? Right. That's that. Yeah, it's managerial economics 101, right? If a direct can do a task that we are doing, it's wrong. It's it's financially, as you say, financially responsible for us to do it. And just to be clear to everybody, you know, you're probably getting paid more than your direct. So that's what I mean by financially irresponsible. If you're getting paid $100 an hour and your direct is getting paid $60 an hour, it makes no sense to spend a $100 resource on something that can be done for $60 an hour. And then there are those who say, but wait, Mike, right? I'm getting $100 an hour. They're getting 6 bucks an hour, but it's going to take them two hours. What it'll take me five minutes. They're not as good as me. And 
you know, the manager says to us, you know, I, I think about it, about delegating something because I know about the, the manager economics 101. Uh, in principle, I, it's what I know I should do, but I also know th- that they're not as good as me. And the bottom line is, if I delegate, I know quality is going to suffer. So what do we say to that? You're right, right? Quality will suffer. <laughs> and they're not as good as you are at doing that task. And here's the point, though. Neither were you when you first started doing it, right? Ooh, good yeah, okay. judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. We can't use inevitable temporary drop, and I mean temporary drop, in quality as a reason not to delegate. Or else we're going to end up with a bunch of those nested matrushka dolls, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? And, and they're gonna be, they get smaller and smaller as you put one within the other. And, and pretty soon we're going to have... An organization run by pygmies. What is that? What is, you know, what are the chances that two West Pointers are doing to show on management and both of them studied Russian in college and know how to pronounce matryoshka dolls? Yeah, exactly right. If, if we don't ask our directs to do more, we're dooming them to what someone else avoided doing to us. Right. We're essentially saying you can't handle it. It's I, I've used this phrase before. It's almost like we're patting our directs on the head and saying, no, no, I can do it. But you could never do this. Right. right I'm so much better than you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so much better than you. I don't even know, in fact, why you're here. I'll just do everything myself. Basically, what, what, we're, what you're saying is we have to fight through that quality decline in the same way that we have to fight over the McGuire hump of the horseman curve. If we want it to be easy right now, if you want to grow, if you want your organization to be successful in the long term and you want it to be easy, life is going to be a series of bitter disappointments to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, if we want it to be easy right now, we're going to be disappointed by the idea of delegation and succession planning and organizational growth and personal challenge and growth. It's just like going to the gym, no pain, no gain. But if we apply ourselves, if we think a little bit strategically, if we see that land of milk and honey on the other side of the hump, we can motivate ourselves to get over it. Right. So instead of going over the the McGuire hump, we're going to get past the delegation dip here, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're using that to say the the period of time when quality is going to go down slightly. Yeah, exactly. Look, we know if we allow our, our directs to try something... And then we give them air cover when inevitably it goes wrong, right? Yeah. They're going to get better at it. And we know that when they are better at it, now the quality is the same as when we were doing it. Yeah. But now it's being done much more cheaply. And we're not having to do it at all. Yeah. The whole thing about cheaply is intellectually, economically appealing. But I like the part where it says, I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. What's well, not to like to about me, that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So look, bottom line here is that we follow our delegating staff meeting, delegating our staff meeting cast guidelines, even when we're quite certain that quality is going to suffer in suffer in the short term in our meeting. And the reason we're going to do that is because even though quality will suffer, it'll still be tolerable. And afterwards, we're going to be doing it cheaper and as good or better with more stuff, more time for us to do more value added stuff. Exactly. So just because things will be wobbly for a little bit doesn't mean that's an excuse not to delegate. Right. So we delegate it. And then we let them try and perhaps fail trying to do that task we just delegated to them. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of managers think that, well, this person's going to need coaching. So I'm just going to, I'm going to put delegation and coaching right together. 
But that's not true. We don't need to coach every direct on how to run meetings. Uh, we delegate it to them and they may have to figure it out or they may even choose to coach themselves a little bit in terms of brainstorming resources and figuring out their plan and so on. They may never have done it before or at least done it to a high of quality standard, but that's okay. And in fact, as you said, right, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. And if they flame out in their first meeting, well, okay, time to raise our eyebrows and say, hey, what are you going to do about that? Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And I think that managers um, react a little bit to the idea that we're not going to immediately offer to coach them. It feels like we're setting up our folks for failure. So why would we do that to folks? Why would we set them up for failure? Or are we really? Yeah. Okay. I can see your point. You know, managers come to us and say, what do I do? I, I know I have to help them get better, but I don't know how to do it. Or I, I know how to do it, but it's going to take hours to get ready to do it. And it's going to only take me minutes. You know, I can, I can do it myself. Thank you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where they're thinking gets them in trouble. I yeah. Think. Because from an efficiency perspective, right. And, and there are a lot of managers who have been told that efficiency is really what management is about. And there's a lot of research and, and, and literature, which says that we of course disagree. If you look at it from an efficient perspective, it's really hard to argue with the logic, but look, effective managers today in the, in the, 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 commercial world of today, even the nonprofit world today, we're obligated to look beyond the efficiency today and work towards effectiveness for the future, which does require us to be reasonably efficient today. We can't be sloppy, but the, the focus is not just on efficiency. It's on long-term effectiveness. When we ask ourselves what effectiveness looks like in the future, it means more of our directs doing more of the stuff that we're doing now so that we can move up that productivity and value change. So, too many managers think they're going to have to come up with a coaching plan quickly, and so they delay the delegation because they're going to have to coach. And the answer is, when people, when managers say, well, what do I do? You say, well, you delegate and you don't coach initially. If the thought of coaching someone is going to reduce your proclivity to delegate, good gosh, let's not have that. I mean... I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to. Every CEO, every senior person I know says, let me tell you about the size of the screw-up I had 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. They've all done it. And I think there are too many managers today that, quite frankly, they believe success is the avoidance of the even the appearance of failure as opposed to the seeking of success. Because seeking success and avoiding failure are two very different mindsets and, and two very different states of being. Yeah, look, if the direct stumbles or they ask for help or you're not satisfied, fine, then move them to coaching. And now you've got some data about what they've been stumbling on, what they're struggling with, and they're going to come to you having seen that they failed a little bit and motivated to accept some coaching. Exactly. And you may find yourself waiting like six weeks. And, you know, often what happens is the direct starts out okay, but then they somehow they, they get off track. You know, sometimes our role in coaching one of our directs is to act as a goal and deadline enforcer. Um, the skill they're learning isn't something we need to be involved in, or it's something we're certain they have the ability to master. But if they're a bit lazy, or they're not as motivated as we might like, then the biggest value we provide in coaching them every week is saying, hey, look at, okay, you, you did what you said you were going to do. Or or you didn't, or did you actually do what you say you're going to do, right? Yeah, or or show me where you are in the document. You know, it's it's the idea of, them having a goal or an objective around learning this new skill or task, and then just having somebody who's going to check up with them every week in the one-on-one -on -one to see how they're doing. And if they run into obstacles, then you can help. You can help them overcome the obstacle. But you know, frankly, our folks are 
a lot smarter than we often give them credit for. And give somebody a challenge. They're going to meet it. And if they don't, then why'd you hire them in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a dangerous one. Um, so, okay, good. So we don't immediately offer to coach folks. We delegate to them. We let them stumble a little bit. We, we bite our tongue. We, we bite our lower lip, perhaps. And we, we take the risk because that's what our directs want from us. And it's what the organization wants from us, even as our boss is screaming that, oh my gosh, you can't possibly have even the least bit of failure. But geez, if you're going to have a little bit of failure, why not confine it to the meeting that you run that your boss never comes to anyway? Okay. So look, second point on this is it always takes a second meeting. Again, if you don't immediately offer to coach them, you delegate. We delegate to the person. We'll, we'll talk about how to do that, right? We've already talked about how to do that. And then we we um, we wait until they failed or they've asked um, because the delegation in their minds or in our minds isn't working out. And we, we have to wait at least a week. You know, if coaching is necessary, implement it after the direct has had a chance to do well on their own without it. Good. Okay, so we've delegated. We've given them a chance to try and fail. We've given them at least a week. They're having some difficulty. And so then we decide, and only then, we decide we need to kind of formalize some coaching around that specific skill or task. Yeah. And the first step of doing that is simple. Set a goal. Yep. Yeah, it looks so much better to look at our four-step model rather than the seven-step model we used to have. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the four-step. I'd love to think that we could reduce it down to one step, but I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Unless you're a, unless you're a Cylon, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice geek comment there. Okay, so look. The first thing, you're right. The first thing we do is to set a goal. We want to be able to assess whether they've gotten where we need them to be, right? Basically, we're going to say, look, let's figure out a period of time and let's let's set a standard. And, and if you get there, then that'll be an indication that you're where we need you to be. And we have some specific guidance around setting goals. The first one is to use MT goals, which we'll talk about in just a second. We want to do it collaboratively. Uh, we definitely want to do it during one-on-ones. And then because this is a, a granular cast, we, you and I will role play it a little bit. So let's start with, with MT goals. Mike Swenson always laughs at this because he really prefers the SMART model. No, no, he's, he's rolling his eyes as we speak. Yeah, he is. I know he is. Yeah. He's probably not listening. He's so smart. He doesn't listen to us anymore. But we recommend MT goals, which are really just an easy version of SMART goals. And many of us have heard of SMART goals. I'm sure many of you listening have heard of it. Specific, measurable, actionable, results-oriented, and time-limited. We don't like it for two reasons. One, because it's devilishly hard based on the experience we've had with managers. And secondly, because there are different models out there depending upon what R stands for, which makes me think, okay, maybe this isn't as crisp a model and as widely understood model as people think. It's just one of those things that somebody came up with a cool acronym and it spread virally and maybe it's not the deepest and strongest thing in the world. Yeah, and we also happen to, to believe that uh, the vast majority of managers are pretty darn smart. And if you focus on measurable and time-based, you're going to end up with something that's specific, actionable, results-oriented. Yeah, exactly. It's going to end up happening, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, too, too many managers we've seen struggle. Um, they just stumble over it. I mean, I've seen managers tasked to use them in, in the, the upcoming year's goals for performance improvements. And they know what they want. They very clearly know what they want. It's easy for them to do it. But then they have to spend weeks wordsmithing their document because they're told a gold quote isn't smart 
unquote, by someone who might know how to evaluate all the parts in a SMART goal, but doesn't know anything about the behavior the manager will be working with the direct on. And that, that seems a little crazy. That That's uh, a little backwards. Exactly. Now, I think we've done a cast on smart is stupid or something like that in the past. Yeah. The blog post. <laughs> I can't remember. But one, th- one thing we do need to talk about a little bit, because we've seen this many times at our effective manager conferences when we start talking about goals. And what happens is people talk, they, they set a goal that is really a big task, right? So, f- for instance, some managers set a goal when coaching, as I say, it's presentation skills. By 15 November, finish all Toastmaster requirements for certified Toastmaster. Now, there's something wrong with that. The problem is, is that goal doesn't include behavior in the skill that is being coached. In this case, the skill you're testing is finishing a course or certification. And that's that's not what we're trying to change. What we're trying to change is presentation skills. Exactly. So a coaching goal measures the behavior we're trying to change. Yeah, it measures the behavior as close as we possibly can without proxies. Right. So in other words, if we're measuring meeting management behaviors, then the goal has to include the person managing a meeting. It's not passing a test that proved they can manage a meeting. It is actually managing the meeting. Yeah. Good point. And it's a it's a common mistake. So, yep, we need to really need to cover it here. One of the most important parts of the manager tools coaching model, MTCM, as we like to say, is that it is collaborative. A number of years ago, I had several clients that suggested it needn't be collaborative. The manager should just lay out the plan. And we tried that, and it just doesn't work. Look, it may in principle be smart, or it may justify something from the organization perspective. But look, you know, the second law of the Army is if it's stupid but it works, it's not stupid. Okay, well, the third law might, might should be if it doesn't work, it's stupid. <laughs> Stop it. And, and managers who come down from on high and say, here's your plan, please implement. When it comes to coaching another person's behavior, which people get pretty attached to, by the way, their own behavior and their habits. If you do that, it just doesn't work. And the beauty of it for us as managers is if it's collaborative, we don't have to do everything, right? And, and look, we've already alluded to this, I think, right? Many managers tell us they don't coach because they, even though they know they need to and their directs need it, they sit down to do it and, and they get overwhelmed with how they would do it and when to do it and what expertise do I need and I don't have it and oh my gosh, I'm, you know, it's a burden. And I do it at the end of the day when I think I'm going to have some time, but then my brain isn't sharp. I spend an hour and a half shuffling papers and then I go home and feel self-defeated. The manager tools coaching model says we're going to collaborate with our direct and they are going to do the majority of the work. Folks, over 90% of the work in a coaching engagement is done by the direct and not the manager. And the reason why is because it's their skill. If you're trying to teach your children, and by the way, just, just to be clear, we don't like analogies to management where kids are involved or for that matter, dogs are involved. But if you're teaching your kids, you getting better at walking doesn't make your kid better at walking. Okay. I mean, And think of it this way. Imagine one of your professors at university doing half of your work for you. It doesn't make sense. So in this first step where we're collaborating on a goal, we're going to sit down and we're going to craft a goal with the direct. And maybe the first time we do it, they're going to stink at it and we're going to have to do more of it, but we're going to be doing it sitting at our desk and they're going to bless it as we do it. But we want their input because they're the ones that are going to have to do it. We don't want to impose coaching on somebody. And so the framework gives them a chance to provide input. Good. 
Yeah, and, and one thing, folks, you, you don't have to create a whole separate meeting to do this. No, you just gosh, use your yeah, one-on-one time, right? I mean, seriously, the Manager Tools Trinity, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation are all designed to work very well together. And one of the great benefits of, of one-on-ones is that we can conduct almost all of our coaching efforts in an already existing meeting. In that 30 minutes you spend with your directs each week, we can do all the coaching you'll ever do. Yep. Yeah, if, if that weren't the case, too, if we had to have separate meetings, if we said, oh, well, now for coaching, you have to have a separate meeting with everybody, there'd be a lot less managers doing coaching. than. There oh, it never now. happened. And, and that's one of the challenges today for managers. They don't have enough time. And so yeah. they just it's just another excuse. And, and, and folks, you're going to hear in here, we, we try to eliminate as many barriers, as many obstacles to coaching as possible, because this is it's not used as much. And, you know, frankly, you should be coaching every one of your directs. Every single week. Yeah. Forever. And if you don't know what to coach them on, let them choose. Yeah. Okay. So let's so talk how about it might how, sound, how huh? it might this sound. This is going to be fun, I think. W- yeah. What we're doing here is we're showing several recommendations working in concert. We delegated the weekly staff meeting to one of our directs. And maybe this is the third direct we've delegated to. Who knows? We did so during a one-on-one. We, we've given them some feedback now because... We believe they need more help than we originally thought during our delegation of our staff meeting. So now we're going to coach them and we're going to do so again during our weekly one-on-ones. Mike's going to play the part of the direct, which is weird at manager tools, but anyway, to keep anonymity for Mike, we're going to call him Mike. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) In this one, I'm going to be the pointy haired boss um, or let's just say I'm pretending to be an effective manager. And there are no pointy-haired uh, bosses at Manager Tools. Just yeah, that's good. Yeah, there, but you can play it. I could make a comment about hairlines, but I won't. I've delegated the running of the team staff meeting to Mike two weeks ago, and so far he hasn't done that well. He's missed one meeting entirely. Oh my gosh! Oops. <laughs> Nobody came because he didn't send out an agenda, and um, the one yesterday started late, and it didn't have an agenda, and we got nowhere near being done with everything we needed to get talk about. And now we're in our one-on-one. Now, I've already decided Mike needs to be coached. And so I'm not going to start his coaching engagement with me by giving him negative feedback. I'm not going to drag him down. Okay? But this is uh, an example of me coaching Mike. Very simplistic. It's not rocket science, folks. This is how you coach. And I I have to make another plug. One of our competitors, I can't remember which one it was, a number of years ago was selling box sets of how to coach And it was a seven-step model or a nine-step model. I don't know what it was. And in step four, it was when the coaching actually occurred. And the entire step was coach your employee. (laughs) The entire model was coaching. But in step four, which was the magic, it said coach your employee. And they didn't say what to do. I I just always thought, man, we need to be successful that we could just shove a bunch of crap in our clients' faces and get away with it. It's just amazing to me. Okay. So I'm the boss. Mike's my direct. And I'm going to be coaching him on running the staff meeting that he's been doing, but not very well. I can't wait. Here we go. Okay. So, hey, uh, Mike, I'm not pleased right now with where we are after two weeks of of delegating the staff meeting to you. I think you can do better. I I suspect that you think you can do better as well. And I think probably the way to go here is for for us to uh, do some coaching, for me to start coaching you on running the staff meeting. I think that'll get you where you need to be faster. Coach, am I in trouble? Hell no. Why would you say that? I'm just coaching you. I'm, why, why would you say you're in trouble? Well, you, first of all, you said you weren't pleased. So 
that didn't please okay. me. And okay. the, the, you know, coaching. I mean, it sounds like I'm in trouble. Yeah, I can see. I I, I, I get your point. Look, look, tell you what. From now on, you have my word. If you're in trouble, I'm going to actually say to you, Mike, you're in trouble. <laughs> and look, let me go further. If I don't say that, then what that means is you're not in trouble because either you're in trouble or you're not. So if unless I tell you you're in trouble, you're not in trouble. How's that? Okay, I guess. It, you know, I just feel like you want me to do better. Oh, okay. Well, l- let's separate being in trouble from me wanting you to do better. As long as you work here, Mike, and you work with me, I want you to do better. In fact, whatever you did yesterday, if it was great, I want more today. So, but you know that about me, right? I'm, right. Okay. I'm known for being tough, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, but look, that's a heck of a lot different. Me wanting you to do better is a lot different than being in trouble. I want everybody to do better all the time. And whether it's a good time now or not, meetings are something you need to know how to do and it's pretty clear that I haven't given you the skills you need thus far because it's not like you get a manual when you start here that says, here's how we run meetings. So I want to coach you on this. Am I the only person you're coaching because I'm messing up? No. Every single person who works for me gets coached on at least one thing at all times. Oh. It's a standard. It's, it's look, it, you know, if you're on a team, right? If you've ever been on a team, you know that you were always being coached. It wasn't like you went through practice and then – the coaching stopped when the season started, right? You still went to practice. Your coach still give you guidance. So, yeah. No, yeah, it's been a long time since I thought of coaching like that. Okay. So, okay. So I'm obviously confused though. Um, so, so what does coaching mean? What, what's, what is this? Oh, entail? easy. Look, look, it's, it, it, it's just my word that everybody else has heard of before that describes a simple four-step process. We're going to set a goal together. We're going to brainstorm some resources that might help you. We're going to create a plan, and then you're going to act on the plan. It's very simple. In a few minutes, you and I are going to talk about what the goal needs to be. And when, once we get that done, if it doesn't take too long, we're going to move right on to brainstorming. And we'll have step one for sure done in the next few minutes, and we may have steps one and two done as well. Okay. All right, good. So listen, the first three steps, goal setting, brainstorming, and, and planning are all collaborative. You and I are going to do them together. I'm not going to force a goal down your throat. Okay, you're going to have to give me ideas about what works for you. I'm going to have final say because it's my team and it's my it's my team meeting. But if we only use your ideas and that gets us where we need to be, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, that doesn't bother me at all. If we use nothing but my ideas, that's going to worry me. Okay. So how do we set this goal? It's easy. It's way, dude, this is so way easy. We think about what you're going to be doing, running a meeting. And then then we're going to describe what we mean by being good at that skill. And we're going to set a deadline for when we have to get there by. So let me give you an example. Suppose I was coaching you on presentation skills. We we have to come up with some measurable behavior and then we have to set a deadline for it. So a good goal for me coaching you on presentation skills could be make a presentation to the division chief by 30 September, which gets an agreement for him for a budget increase. Okay. That sounds pretty hard. I mean, you know that I've, you know, I haven't run a lot of meetings before and I know you're going to hold me accountable and and this is real. I mean, this is something made up so I could fail. Yeah. Gosh, if only we had time to do made up stuff around here, I guess. Yeah, you could fail. And of course, I actually think that your knowledge that you could fail makes it much more, much less likely that you will fail 
right? Because you're going to feel a little bit of pucker about this. Yeah, about this. But the important thing here right now is that you see the structure of the goal. It's about the thing you're supposed to be working on. It's about presentation skills, and it has a deadline. With that in mind, throw something out there. What do you think might be a good one for a goal, a goal for you regarding meeting management that we're going to be working on? Okay. How about I attend two meetings that are run well by next week? Okay. Well, that's good. That's good You that you've got a, a deadline in there. I love the fact that you've got a deadline, but let me ask you something. If you went to lots of other meetings for even several weeks and you got really smart about meetings, did that does that necessarily mean that you'd automatically be good at running those meetings? Is just getting smarter what we want, or do we want you to run a meeting that's well done? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I guess it's just not enough to study. Um, right, I have to actually run the meetings, I guess. So, okay, I got it. Okay, but that sounds harder. I mean, how much time can I have? Well, how long do you think you'll need to get? I mean, what's your gut tell you about how long you think you'll need to get to get ready to to run a meeting well? Well, since this is um, seems like one of those chances to excel times you're always talking about, <laughs> how about two weeks? Am I that transparent all the time? Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. I think two weeks would be pretty fast, dude. Um, I think it's too fast, actually. And look, I'm not really worried about you impressing me with speed here. Frankly, it's okay if it takes 10 weeks for us as long as we get there. I can have 10 weeks? Yeah, if it helps us get there. But there's another problem related to that. Let's assume we're taking, we're talking 10 weeks. We can't just have you run a staff meeting in 10 me- weeks with doing nothing in between now and then and have it stink, right? That won't work. You won't be meeting the goal, I don't think, if the meeting starts and ends late and you don't send out an agenda the way we do now. Well, okay. So well, I, guess, I guess we just need to have some standards we agree on. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of standards can we agree to, even if it's just for now? That will tell us that if you do them, you've gotten good at running a meeting. Because, look, I, I think this is an important skill. I, no, no, it is an important skill. Nobody leaves my team without knowing how to do it. It's that important. Right. I mean, do we have to do anything fancy? Can we use the ones we're using right now? Like start on time, finish on time, agenda in advance, yeah. parking lot, notes out? No, let's make it hard and do it in Spanish and, and come up with some new rules that are complicated. No, I, me. Look, th- I think that's great. I, let's just use the ones that work now. We like the meeting. It works pretty effectively. Okay, good. So it looks like where we are is I'm going to coach you to get to a goal of running our weekly staff meeting by 10 weeks from now. So in other words, February 15th. And the meeting is going to start and end on time. It's going to have an agenda out 24 hours in advance, the way we always do. We're going to use a parking lot. And we're going to have notes out to everybody who attended within 24 hours. How, how does that sound to you? Cool. I, I can do that. That, my friend, is very cool indeed then. Um, I'm going to write that down as our goal in my one-on-one notes for today. Good. And that, folks, is an example of a manager collaborating with the direct. It's very much a conversation. It's very relaxed. I know what I need, even though he may not. I've got to have a deadline. I've got to have behaviors. Um, I've got to have a clear goal and it's okay if he suggests stuff and I disagree or I suggest stuff and he disagrees and hopefully I can steer him toward the right timeline in my head. And if I'm wrong, it's okay. We'll discover that in five or six or seven weeks and we'll change things once we get started. But that's a good example of 
the collaboration that goes into the coaching aspect after we've delegating running the staff meeting, the first step of setting a goal. Thanks, everyone. That's it for part one, and we'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. We'll see you then. So long.